Well, good morning. I'm back. Back to preach before receiving members. I'm excited because we are in a series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And today's message is going to be somewhat topical, but I think it's going to, I feel like what's happening with this series is it's helping sort of clear out some junk in my heart and helping me like sort of create a clearing so that we can build a healthy relationship with God and with other people on top of it. Um, in this series, um, we've seen that our emotions are part of our soul. And this year, we're trying to cultivate the soul. That's what we're aiming for. And so if our emotions are part of our soul, then emotional health is a major part of spiritual health, of soul health, of spiritual maturity. And, and I love this iceberg illustration uh, because it shows how our emotions work. You know, um, they say that uh, 80 to 90% of the mass of an iceberg is actually below the water. And so even with the giant mountainous ones, um, 80 to 90% is below the surface of the water. You just don't see it. Uh, and I think the same is true with our emotions. And so even for the most outwardly emotional of us, so much of the reasons why we react to life the way that we do is because of things that are underneath the surface of our lives. And so we're spending time looking at how to make sure that our emotions are integrated into our lives and integrated into our relationship with God. So Peter Scazzaro, who is the author and pastor of the book, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, he's got a book and a video curriculum. He says this in his book. He says this. He says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. This is true. You can make strides in different parts of your life, but if your emotions are lagging behind, your emotions will stunt your spiritual growth. They'll stunt your spiritual maturity. Now, our mission as a church, the reason we exist is because we're, we were making disciples. That's what Jesus told us to do. He said, go make disciples of all the nations. And so our mission as a church is to equip people to become disciples of Jesus. And some of that is through service, right? We serve the poor in our city in lots and lots of different ways. Um, but how do we serve as a church? How do we serve people in our city who aren't poor? Right, have you thought about that? Like, what do we do for folks that aren't poor? And what do we offer them? And I think one of the ways that we can serve the professionals in the city to serve most of our neighbors and coworkers and, and even family members that aren't part of our church is by offering an experience of God that includes an emotionally healthy spirituality. Because if we can grow in this, if we can have greater emotional health, then we have more to offer to the people of our city. Because when we have healthier, more honest relationships with people, when we have a relationship with God that is honest with him, then we offer an authenticity that is attractive, that people long for. And so looking at this actually helps us to reach people uh, that are in our city. Um, we can offer more hope. Um, and so health and maturity for us become a gift to our city. So it's just another reason why we're studying this. Now last week, we saw that Jesus' perfect humanity experienced the full range of human emotions, 
right? Remember that chart of the 14 different emotions on the slide? I think we'll pull it up here. Um, these were Jesus' perfect humanity and the full range of emotions, and we also saw that God himself in the Old Testament also experienced this range of emotions. And we saw last week that if it's okay for Jesus to experience these emotions, if it's okay for God to experience these emotions, then it's okay for us too. And we want to make space to be honest about the feelings that we have. But there's danger with emotions too, right? I mean, there are dangers because how often do you know what you should do, but you don't feel like doing it? <laughs> Amen, kind of, right? Yeah, we're all in this together. <laughs> we all suck. Um, <laughs> how often have you initially not wanted to do something that you shouldn't do, but you were convinced to do it because someone manipulated your emotions? <laughs> so because of this, because of the danger that emotions bring, there are lots of churches that make emotions like second-class citizens at best. And some churches almost dismiss emotions entirely. So there's a, um, a conservative radio guy named Ben Shapiro. Um, and he has a phrase that I found on a mug. I'm going to show you this mug. And it, it sort of encapsulates this idea that a lot of churches, a lot of Christians have about emotions. It says this, facts don't care about your feelings. And this is something that Ben Shapiro sort of champions and his followers champion this. And they stand up and they say like, we don't care how heart-wrenching your story is because the facts say something else and the facts don't care about your feelings. Now, feelings can be crazy, right? Feelings can be untrustworthy, Feelings don't always line up with facts. That's true. So sometimes you can't trust your feelings. Um, the church has, has often said it like this. They've said facts, then faith, then feelings, maybe. <laughs> and a lot of times, man, this is just true. Like there's Christianity out there that says like that, man, your feelings, at best they say, well, your feelings will just follow. If you trust, then the feelings will follow. It's like, well, what do I do when my feelings don't follow? Well, you just you don't have enough faith. Well, now I'm screwed because I can't get more faith. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make this happen. And so it creates this angst, right? Um, and, but this is what churches do. They say, like, the feelings are at the end. You don't worry about them. We don't focus on them. And because of that, we end up emotionally unhealthy. Um, so in the question of should we discount our feelings like this, the answer is no, because when we do, when we discount our feelings, when we ignore our feelings, when we push our feelings down, we end up with a different set of problems, okay? There are problems that come when you open your heart, when you open your soul to the honesty about feelings, but there are also dangers that come. There are problems that come when you squash those feelings. Um, sometimes, there are awful things that happen in your life. And if you are not allowed to feel them, you will, you're going to explode. If you are in an environment where you are just, where you don't give yourself permission to feel, where you are told that your feelings, that you shouldn't feel certain ways, 
Um, when, it, when you deal with death, when you deal with divorce or breakup, when you deal with job loss, these are really hard things. Um, and sometimes even the small things, if you have a really awful day, I mean, it's just one day, but it was awful, and you leave work and you go hang out with some friends and you try to begin to talk about that and they just tell you, you know what, you should just trust God. That's really unhelpful. It's really not Christian to do that. It's not what God would want you to do because if you ignore or push down your feelings, you will end up suffering much worse. And especially in relationships, emotional health and honesty is crucial. Um, I talked to someone this week who's in a dating relationship, and they feel like something's wrong, but they feel bad because they don't understand why they feel like something's wrong, and so they don't say anything. And so they're stuck in a relationship, feeling like something's wrong, but not saying anything, and kind of getting their feelings sort of steamrolled, because they're not talking about how they're feeling, but they're getting made more and more uncomfortable because they're not willing to share how they're feeling because they don't know how to share it because they don't know what the, what, the, what the problem is. So when we discount our feelings, our misery will steadily grow. Um, and sometimes it just grows and it'll like burst out. Other times it's sort of like we're really good at holding it down and so it'll just end up like bleeding into other areas of our life and it'll come out in other places. And you'll think, wait, how are those things connected? But they are, because when we suppress our feelings, this is what happens. And so I saw another mug a couple weeks ago that had a different thing that it said. It kind of had the opposite thing that it said. It, said, it was the opposite of the first one. It said this. It said, statistics defied by song. Right? So not facts don't care about your feelings, but now statistics, those are facts, defied by song. You've had this experience before, maybe? Like, oh man, this song feels so right. And I'm kind of embarrassed about what the lyrics say because I don't really agree with the lyrics, but the song is so good, right? <laughs> um, there were people who would say, like, this song feels so right. I don't care about your facts. Andrew Fletcher was a Scottish writer and politician in the early 1700s. And he was the one who famously said this quote. He said, let me make the songs of a nation and I care not who makes its laws. If I can write the songs that speak to the heart, you can write whatever laws will govern the mind and I will win. Everyone will follow me. So, we have problems on both sides, right? Problems if we let emotions in, problems if we suppress and keep emotions out. What do we do? I mean, is it facts or feelings? Is it intellect or emotions? Well, Jesus solves this dilemma for us. Jesus makes it really clear what the answer is. In Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31, we see Jesus' answer. So that verse is in your bulletin. There's a place there to take notes if you want to write something down. But let's read this um, from verse 28. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked him. So the scribes is asking Jesus, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So verse 30 is Jesus' answer to the dilemma that we find ourselves in. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So for Jesus, is it intellect or emotions? It's both. It's both. Jesus says we need both. Jesus is saying that God actually designed us for facts and feelings. That God built us so that we would use our intellect and our emotions as we relate to him and to other people. And so the greatest commandment is to love God with all of every part of us. So including our mind and our heart, our feelings, our emotions, our psychology, and our intellect. And that's what real love is, right? Real love incorporates every part of us. Um, and so this greatest commandment calls us to become the greatest versions of ourselves. So both mugs, right? Both mugs are incomplete. Um, both are, in fact, I think forms of hypocrisy. Uh, both are spiritually immature by themselves, and both are emotionally unhealthy. Now, I know that there are truths that both indicate, and there are times when you can see truth, but taken as a whole, they are incomplete, immature, and unhealthy. Why? Well, because facts without feelings is bad, because it's robotic. Facts without feelings is robotic. There's no intimacy in a relationship that has facts without feelings. And, and I'll tell you a secret. The, normally the people who, who, who say facts don't care about your feelings, they are passionately involved. They have unbelievably deep feelings for the facts. Okay? So they're actually not doing what they say they're doing. Um, so facts without feelings is bad because it's robotic. There's no intimacy without feelings. But then also feelings without facts is bad. It's, it's flowers. <laughs> um, it's flowers. There's no lasting commitment. Right? Feelings come and feelings go. Um, and feelings can be fleeting, just like flowers. So to be the you that God designed you to be, you need both your intellect and your emotions. You need to spend time listening to both. Okay, both need to be heard honestly. Both need to be a voice at the table. Okay, and so this, when I was thinking about this, like a voice at the table, I was like, oh, hey, hey, wait, King Arthur, right? King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, right? This is the, this is the, a depiction of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Um, and so at the table, right, for you, for me, for us, we want to sit at the round table so that it's you, your intellect, and your emotions. 
okay? Now, Arthur's table was round because everyone there was an equal. There was no head of the table. And this is important because that's your goal. Your goal is to integrate your emotions and your intellect. Jesus doesn't say, love the Lord your God with all your heart or with all your mind or with all your soul or with all your strength. He says it all needs to come together. That your intellect and your emotions need to be integrated. And so you need to listen to both. You need to acknowledge both so that you can act in accordance with both. So it's true that our emotions shouldn't be followed if our emotions aren't in line with the facts. But it's also true that our emotions know things even if our intellect can't describe or articulate them. Okay? Now, I've learned that if I'm feeling something, then there's a reason for it, even if my intellect can't tell me what that reason is. Sometimes you just have a feeling, right? You feel like something's off, or you don't feel right about something. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Um, and so... That's your body reacting, your body, your emotions are your body's judgments on the things that are going on in your life. And so you wanna slow down. You gotta slow down so that you can listen to that judgment. You need to take the time to listen and explore your feelings so that you can listen to the judgment that your feelings are making. So here's what's interesting is that even if your feelings are not in line with the facts, then being honest about them, bringing them to the table and letting them have their voice, letting them speak into the situation, it leads, like, it leads me then to a time of confession. So if I say, oh man, this feeling that I have, well, oh, I'm actually scared because I think that if this happens, that means I'm not a good dad. Like that's what's actually happening. I didn't know that when I started feeling this angst. When I got upset and angry, I didn't realize this, but when I slowed down and stopped and thought, why do I feel this way? It's because I feel responsible for something that's actually out of my control. And so I'm trying to squeeze on this and I'm getting angry and upset because I'm afraid that if this goes wrong, I'm going to be thought of as a bad dad. Now, is that true? So my intellect says, is that true? Like, will you be a bad dad if this goes wrong? And then my emotions go, well, let's see. I could have done more, so I might have been able to fix the situation. But no, actually, ultimately, this isn't actually my responsibility. And so then my intellect says, okay, well, so that's helpful to know. And then all of a sudden, my emotions begin to change, and I begin to let go of that anger, right? And now, I'm at a place where, oh, my feelings were wrong. My feelings were acting out of accord with reality. So I need to confess this. God, I'm sorry that I reacted. I'm sorry that I gave in to these feelings. They weren't in line with truth. Thank you for the chance, though, to see where these feelings came from. Because now it gives me a chance to recognize that I've been living not according to the truth. 
when you take the time to do that, you end up in so much healthier a place. Um, because feelings that are heard and integrated, even if, they're ended, even if they end up being confessed as sin, so feelings that are heard, evaluated, confessed as sin, makes you unbelievably healthier than feelings that are either like just acted out of or feelings that are squashed. And guess what? This is also true in marriage and in dating relationships. Like sometimes it's your intellect and your emotions that you need to slow down and listen to. Sometimes it's the other person you're in relationship with <laughs> that you need to slow down and listen to. Sometimes you're in a relationship and one of you is more intellectual and the other one's more emotional. And it's the exact same principle, especially if you're in a relationship. And depending on the commitment level of that relationship will determine how integrated you need to be with an answer. Um, but your relationship will end up unbelievably more healthy if both of you feel heard by the other. Even if you're wrong, if you create space so that the other one can share where they're at or how they're thinking or how they're feeling, then the decision that you come to will be one that you both can buy into rather than walking away from the experience feeling like you just weren't heard or cared about again. It is absolutely necessary in your own emotional health, but also in the relationships that you have, that both voices get heard and feel heard. And this is a really good expression of this love that Jesus is describing. This is what it means to love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, when you think about emotionally healthy spirituality, your intellect is a gift to your spirituality because your intellect helps you determine what's true and what's false. Your intellect helps you understand your options. And so your intellect is truth by study and observation, thinking, right? Your emotions are also a gift to your emotionally healthy spirituality, right? Your emotions are also a gift to your maturity because your emotions connect the decisions that you have to make to your experiences and your relationships in the present and in the past. Involving your emotions enables you to be committed and to be enthusiastically invested in your decisions. And so emotions are truth by experience and by sensing. Both are learning. Both are valuable. Both can be wrong. Your intellect can be wrong too. Um, but together, they make you more spiritually mature. So I like to think about it this way. Your intellect can help you do the right thing. Your emotions can help you love to do the right thing. And don't you want to offer to God a love to do what honors him? I mean, this is what stretches us. Like, this is, it stretches our souls. We're cultivating our souls. 
um, pastor and author John Piper, he speaks about how important it is to include your emotions in your spiritual maturity. So I've got a quote that isn't going to be on the screen first. So let me give you this first quote before we do something on the screen. He says this, minimizing the importance of transformed feelings makes Christian conversion less supernatural and less radical. It is humanly manageable to make decisions of the will for Christ. No supernatural power is required to pray prayers, sign cards, walk aisles, or even to stop sleeping around. Those are good. They just don't prove that anything spiritual has happened. Christian conversion, on the other hand, is a supernatural, radical thing. The heart is changed. And the evidence of it is not just new decisions, but new affections, new feelings. And then, put this up on a slide, he says, negatively, the Apostle Paul says that those who go on in the same old way of hostility, jealousy, rage, and envy will not enter the kingdom of God, Galatians 5, 20 and 21. These are all feelings. They must change. The facts of faith won't get to heaven without them. And the next slide, positively, Christians are commanded to have God-honoring feelings. We are commanded to feel joy, Philippians 4, hope, Psalm 42, fear, Luke 12, peace, Colossians 3, zeal, Romans 12, grief, Romans 12, desire, 1 Peter 2, tenderheartedness, Ephesians 4, brokenness and contrition, James 4. He says, therefore, let us make clear that the train engine of fact is not headed for heaven if it is not followed by a faith that treasures Christ and if it is not pulling a caboose load of imperfect but new feelings. So good. So good. God wants both your intellect and your emotions integrated in you so that you can engage the world in truth with passion. That's what he wants from us, in truth with passion. And remember, passion looks differently for all of us. Depending on what our range of outward emotional expression looks like, passion also has an outward expression. Some of you are deeply passionate, but nobody would ever know because it doesn't come out of you. And that's okay. That's okay, but what God is looking for is he wants all of us to engage in his world in truth with passion, passion for people and passion to fulfill God's mission in your life. God wants it to matter to you how you live your life for him. He wants you to experience him in your decisions and in your experiences. And so this week, I want you to sit down with your intellect and your emotions when your emotions come up, I want you to invite them to the table. I want you to sit down at the round table and have a conversation, okay? So back to the, uh, this image of you, your intellect, and your emotions um, sitting around the round table. Um, and this too, you guys have a, you got a bookmark um, that, uh, that's in your bulletins. Um, you can grab this and we really want you during this time of Lent, as Lent begins, I know we're a few days ahead of Lent, but we're, we're, starting, we're starting a little bit early. Um, so I want you to write down some things that you can do this week when your emotions come up. So when you're sitting around the round table with your emotions and your intellect, I want you to do three things. I want you to ask a question. What do you feel? 
So ask, what do you feel? Then ask, what is the truth? And then pray, how can you honor both and integrate both? So what do you feel? That's when you give your emotions a chance to speak up. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I feel afraid. I feel nervous. I feel wonderful. I feel joyful. I feel peace. I feel calm. Right? Whatever it is, what do you feel? And then ask yourself, what is the truth? And this is where your intellect gets to speak. And what's exciting is that here's how your intellect works. Your intellect knows it's going to get its turn in just a second. And because it knows it's going to get its turn, it shuts up while the emotions are talking. Okay? The, the intellect doesn't interrupt the emotions because it knows its turn is coming. Okay? And then the emotions kind of are excited because they feel like since they've been heard, they can give, their, they can give the intellect the time to speak. Um, now, after both get to speak, there may be some interaction between the two of them. You need to kind of govern this, right? You need to let the emotions speak up to the intellect, and you need to let the intellect speak back to the emotions, right? And then the prayer part is you inviting Jesus to sit down at the table with you, right? The prayer piece is you saying, Jesus, can you help me to know how to honor both my, the facts and my feelings, right? To honor both my intellect and my emotions, and how do I integrate them in the decision that we're going to make going forward and how we respond to this situation, now, if you need some help in knowing how to do this, um, I'm going to give you some psalms that you can read this week. I'm just going to give you three psalms. Um, one for when life is up, one for when life is down, and one for when life is sideways. Um, so when life is up, you can read Psalm 19. When, when life is down, Psalm 42. And when, when life is sideways, Psalm 107 is really good. And so in these ways, you're going to see Bible writers who are integrating both their intellect and their emotions. They're listening to both, and they're seeking to integrate them. And prayer is a wonderful way to integrate these things. As you talk to God, as you pray to him, writing is also a very helpful thing. You'll see on the card, it says, pray, write, and speak. That's what we want you to do during the season of Lent. We want to stretch you. We want you to devote yourself to praying, to writing, and then to speaking meaning speak to a friend, speak up in life group, share with someone else some of the things that you're processing, that you're thinking about, and the things that you're learning as you go through this, because that will further enhance your ability to grow in these areas. Now, we ended last week by, uh, we were encouraged to engage in this emotionally healthy spirituality because Jesus lived this way and he was raised from the dead. Right? That the resurrection of Jesus means that this is the right way to live. Today, I want to bring the content of this message, both our intellects and our emotions, and I want to declare to you that Jesus was driven to save you. I want you to know that. That Jesus came to earth with fully integrated intellect and emotion. His intellect was convinced that God's purpose and plan for the world had been thwarted by sin. Jesus' intellect was convinced that we were all 
partly responsible for the brokenness of the world and we needed to be saved. Jesus knew that we needed him if we were gonna be reconciled to God, that we were lost in our sins. But then Jesus' emotions were moved. He was so moved and broken over losing us that he gave everything to save us. Jesus gave up everything. And when you understand that Jesus was expressing deep-seated, emotional-filled love, it changes everything in life. Jesus' life and death was filled with humiliation, betrayal, and suffering. And it was the greatest act of love in history. And that love moves my heart to love him with everything that I have. And then Jesus' resurrection was that stamp of God's approval on everything that he did. And so Jesus' life is the life that lasts forever. And that approval of God on his life grips my mind and my intellect to follow him wherever he will lead. Won't you commit to him today? And won't you commit to growing in these ways this week? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this unimaginable integration of love driven by real knowledge, undergirded by all of the facts of our sin and the reality of your love. Jesus, truly justice and mercy kissed on the cross as you took our punishment that we deserved so that we would be forgiven. God, our Father, we see in the resurrection of Jesus this compelling force driving us away from every other direction that our life has pointed to focus on Jesus and following him. If his life was raised from the dead, then surely there is no other life that is better for us. And so help us this week, help us to bring to the table both our feelings and our intellect. Show us how we can be more honest and more open in the difficulties and the things that we experience so that we might be healthier, so we might be more mature we might be able to talk to you about these things and grow. More like Jesus, that's what we want. Draw near to us this week, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.